Hey everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. If you haven't already, please be sure to check us out on social media. We're available on all platforms, so just head over, search Country Music Made Me, and give us a follow. You can also find us at our website, countrymusicmademe.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content. On today's episode, we're excited to be joined by Caitlin Clampett. Now, Caitlin's musical journey has seen many different variations within it. She grew up in a musical family and by the age of eight was writing her own piano pieces. In her teenage years, she began producing her own music and after high school, she went off to Berkeley in Boston to study music. Following graduation from that program, she went off to LA to pursue a career in music before turning to Nashville to follow more of a country route. Over the years, she has developed her sound, and this year she released her latest singles, Hang Up or Hang Out and Sorta Single. It's been a very fun and interesting journey, so please enjoy our conversation with Caitlin Clampett. I want to start off with a little talk about puns. Because your social media is You've filled with puns. Someone has done their homework. Oh Let's talk goodness. about this. Where do the puns come from? Because <laughs> at least over the past year, your social media, I think every, just about every post that comes up has a pun within oh, it. Oh yeah. It's just expected from people who know me at this point. So I, I just have to de deliver at least like, at least one per post. <laughs> but um yeah, I've just always loved, it's not that I love it, it's that that's just how my brain has always operated in like a weird way. So um, yeah, I just wordplay, puns, it, that's, I just think of them constantly and it can be annoying <laughs> to the point where it's like, okay, like maybe we don't need to uh, articulate our 17th pun of the day. Um, you can maybe just max it to like two out loud per day. And right. that's my, my quota for myself. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really respect <laughs> puns and we're like, just cause I'm like, all right, that's how my brain works. And I, I'm like, if somebody else does it, I'm like, oh, <laughs> so was your dad like a dad jokey? kind of guy like is that where you got it from or did it just develop within you naturally without any outside influence yeah it was just a me thing um I think now though my dad will make uh he will he will try his best to make um some sort of like pun uh related joke and then he'll look at me and I'll be like like waiting for my response like is this a good one <laughs> Great job. Great job. Just like a, a pun cheerleader or like a dad joke cheerleader. Right. That's amazing. Well, after years of probably you looking to him for validation, it's cool that now the tables have turned and now he's looking towards you for validation. Honestly, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I'm here for this therapy session. <laughs> That's awesome. And within the comedy of life, did I see that within the years you've trained with some comedy troops like the growlings and UCB and third coast comedy club. Yes. 
Um, and it's something that I have not formally announced yet. It's something that I will be delving into more um, here in the upcoming year. Um, but I trained in improv at Groundlings in LA um, years, uh, probably like five years ago. And then um, when I was spending more of my time here, I did UCB, uh, the, the UCB Los Angeles, uh, program virtually through the pandemic. Um, cause I was like, you know, I had a little bit more time on my hands and it was something that I wanted to do more work on in terms of characters. Um, so she has some, (laughs) some crazy characters, um, cause I, I love doing voices and accents and things like that. So it's okay. fun. For me. Um, and then in the last year I've been doing standup training at third coast comedy club. So oh, wow. that has helped like with my musical comedy songs, like the, the funnier songs that I like to write or songs that I think are funny. Um, and, uh, it's definitely bled into my songwriting in a lot of ways, just because I, it, it's helped me like structure punchlines better and, and become a better storyteller in a lot of different capacities. So, um, yeah, I, I, I really love comedy. So awesome. And now within this musical journey, let's back up a bit and, and go back to uh, the beginnings of this and growing up in North Carolina, I believe just outside of Raleigh, what did sort of life look like for you within music when you were young because your dad was actually a pro golfer right mm-hmm. when you were growing up mm-hmm. yeah um i think we lived uh on a 13 acre driving range oh wow that he had created um so i would go outside and it would be like you know his his driving range um and he would be out there practicing every day and and he would um he, he always really wanted me to play golf with him or like he wanted to teach me so badly. And I just always was so adamant about not like that was my form of rebellion was to not not learn how to play golf. Like I was so gung ho about it. And I would just like write my, you know, sad songs on the piano and like um, was just more of the creative type. And so um, the rebellion against that propelled me even further and like stronger into the creative department. And that was just my outlet. And I think, um, specifically, uh, I I hated piano lessons as a kid and they ended up pulling me out at some point because, um, I would, I would, write, I was writing piano pieces that my parents were helping me notate and they ended up being like more complex than the songs I was supposed to be learning. They they were like, uh, we might be wasting our money here. Um, and also I just did not like being told what, what to do and what to learn as like an eight year old. Um, but, but yeah, I, uh, that those are my, my early, uh, defiant beginnings. <laughs> so that talent that you had within writing music on the piano at that young age, was that something that was passed down within your family? Like, were there any musical people within your family that that kind of got passed down to you? 
Great question. Um, definitely there were some, quite a few, but nobody had done it like professionally in any capacity. So um, my mom has always played piano and, and she sings and she had this like gorgeous, you know, operatic voice. And that was like the training that she had done. And, and then my dad, you know, loved James Taylor and artists like that. And so he would be playing the guitar and singing um, as much as my mom would tolerate. And, uh, I kind of had like, um, a bit of a classical and then like singer songwriter influence, um, from, from both of them. And, um, and my brothers are also musical as well, but, but not professionally. Right. Yeah. I, I, after I asked that question, I realized I sort of already knew the answer because I saw you talk about some sort of musical games that you would play as kids <laughs> and on road trips, you would sing to see who could sing the most sharp or flat. <laughs> and then also at the dinner table, you would like create beats as a family when you were sitting there. And so what were those adventures like within music growing up? Oh my God. Uh, we're just a very sonic family <laughs> for whatever reason. In, like, and you know, between the three of us, we are just you know little weirdos. And if we'd be on a on a road trip or or just together in any capacity, we would find some way to like wreak musical havoc on our surroundings and just be as annoying as possible. So like for holidays and whatnot, like. Uh, even now you get one glass of wine and all three of us. And it's like, you know, somebody starts like clinking some utensil on a glass and then it's just like, oh, and somebody starts beatboxing and then like, you know, someone's whipping out some melody from God knows where. And it's just like, is it, it could be a Christmas song. Like we've tried to do three-part harmony Christmas songs after a, a bottle of wine. And, and that, uh, is not something that I would ever show anyone. Um, <laughs> but those are the types of things that, that we love doing. And, um, my brother, one of my brothers made, uh, beats, like he did the fruity loops thing for a while and he was like a oh, drummer. Okay. That was his thing. And then I would steal all of his drum tricks and then I would just go do them and people would be like, oh, a girl on the drums. And he hated it because I could I could play the things that he was playing and he hated that. Right. <laughs> and then my other brother, the youngest, the baby, he is like an incredible pianist and he's had like hardly any training. But oh, he's wow. like an, this incredible jazz pianist, even as like, you know, a very small child, he we would go to a country club or something and just sit him down and he'd be like wearing a little suit and he'd sit down there and it'd just be like, and people would be like, huh? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, we're all just kind of, um, we've got little weird tricks up our sleeves, I guess. That's amazing. And I saw you mention when you were young singing to put a smile on your grandpa's face. And I was just wondering about that grandpa and who he was and the influence he had on this journey. Yeah, I am. Um, you know, he he passed when I was relatively young. And so I think that makes things a little bit more nostalgic for me. Right. Um, and I think uh, he he was he was quirky as well. Like he was um, he, he had so many encyclopedias, like just loved learning. And he was a an amateur magician as well, oh, but wow. I trade, he was a pharmacist. And so he just had like a, a little creative, um, quirk in him. And, and I, I just liked 
uh, I liked, I was an introvert, a very introverted child, but like, I knew how to, how to crack someone, um, by like entertaining them or like making them crack a smile. And so that was like a fun little challenge for me. Cause I was like, Hmm, gotcha. You know? <laughs> and when did your studio experience begin? I think I saw that you said you've been in the studio since you were 15. And so talk about like your first experiences in the studio with actually like producing music. I, I don't think I had experience like in a real studio. I just kind of made a makeshift version in my, like I I got, you know, I had a a job in, in school. And so I like got a little bit of money and would buy, I bought Cubase um, which now I never use it. I think it's more so for like film scoring at this point. Um, uh, but yeah, I had my little cue base, my little interface. I had a, a base. Apparently this is all rhyming. Um, and a little mic and I had my guitar and like, um, just really wanted to learn. Cause I wanted to be able to record my own songs, um, and, and hear it back and kind of like be able to add layers here and there and just kind of experiment with it. And, um, and that's what I did. The quality was not great. Uh, but it, it, it got me, um, got me what I needed and, and helped me learn. And so when did the passion, like that much passion for creating your own music, when did that begin? Well, I just don't think I had, I, I didn't know anybody that was a producer. So, um, and through, you know, what I had heard is that you'd have to pay like a lot of money for somebody to produce something for you. And I'm like, well, I'll just do it myself. Like I've always been a DIYer um, to my own detriment. And I, I just, um, it was easier for me that way. And I, and I love learning. I love challenging myself. I loved even as a kid, like if, if it wasn't typical for a girl to do something, then I was like, all right, I'll show you, you know, like if it wasn't, if it was unexpected that I, that, 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 um, for me to be able to do something or, or, or challenge myself in a way. then it's like, all right, I'll show you. <laughs> right. Yeah. And now so, in high yeah. school, you received a scholarship to Berkeley. You had to try out for that, right? And so before that, before going into that audition, did you have a vision of what your future looked like? Did you want it to be in music? Were you thinking, I'm just going to go and start a career in music? Or did you have a roadmap at that point before taking part in that audition? Right. Um, so I had always participated in the music at like my school or my church. Um, so I would, you know, I would sing in the praise team or I would lead, you know, X, Y, and Z, um, or I would be in the school musical or whatever it was. And, um, it was just always the thing that was so important to me and that I felt the most connected with. And there was never, there was never any question in my mind, honestly, Um, and I'm like, maybe there should have been, but you know, I, I, I looked online, I went on my computer and I, uh, which was a very large computer at the time. (laughs) Um, not going to date myself, but, um, I learned about Berkeley online and I was like, I don't know of any other place that would offer this. So I signed up without (laughs) my parents knowing I signed up to audition as a junior in high school 
And because they were coming to um, a town in North Carolina that was a couple hours away. And so I convinced my mom to take me to the audition. And um, and I just kind of, you know, I, I didn't necessarily expect to get the scholarship, but I expected to get at least feedback on like, okay, is this a viable thing for me to uh, pursue? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so if, if I can get some like positive feedback, then I feel like that would be validating enough for me to like, you know, pursue it further. And so um, I, I got a scholarship somehow and played a song that I had written that was probably terrible. And I didn't read a lot of music at the time. Um, and, uh, so I got that and, and the rest was history. I, um, I didn't want to go anywhere else. Right. And you did very well once you got there, but in the first little bit, like, was it a bit of an eye opener of what music really was considering you had sort of been self-taught up to that point? Absolutely. Great question. Um, I, I definitely got there and, and, you know, it was, it was a bit of a culture shock just because I came from like a small, like suburban conservative, like Southern town. And, um, and I get there and there's like trash on the street and there's like people that have been released from an insane asylum 20 years ago that are like cursing at me on the street. And I'm like, what is this? Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, getting there and just meeting so many people that were my age that also loved music and played music and seeing, um, uh, meeting people that had different musical interests and like learning and, and growing and, um, in, in terms of, um, just having a broader understanding of what's out there. I think that was really important for me too. And, um, and I, you know, I, I got a hold of the, of the, um, the reading music thing. So, um, I, I really loved learning. Um, and I feel like I tried my best to excel at that. Um, just cause I wanted to really get, get as much as I could out of it. Right. And so you went from North Carolina to Boston for school, and then you wrapped up your school in Boston and you made the decision to go all the way across to LA. <laughs> No, what yeah, my parents love that. Yeah, I bet. Like, what was the decision within that at that point? So my last semester at Berkeley, I auditioned for this like local idol competition. Okay. And I made it to the top two. And then I lost apparently because I sang the same song that I did the first time. <laughs> and the other guy, like. Uh, had a better story and like he he sang different songs and I was like oh I should have done something different but right. um it basically got me to get into uh to kind of skip the line of the normal American Idol auditions that were in Boston so I was able to to go audition for them and then ended up making it to Hollywood week um, and so I went out there and, and met, you know, great people that I'm still friends with to this day and who have done amazing things since then. And, um, and I just, you know, I, I realized that I needed to be out there, um, in LA. And so I, I went back home and told my parents and they weren't too thrilled about Los Angeles, but I've just, if I felt like 
uh, even, you know, from an early age, if I felt like something was right for me, like I just kind of trusted my gut and it felt like the right place for me to go. And so that's where I knew I had to go. And even though they maybe didn't like the place you were going, um, because your dad was a pro golfer and he maybe understood that sort of life of doing something you love that doesn't guarantee you a paycheck, like were they more okay with the just overall music career that you were going into? Yes. I think my mom was more skeptical. And then I think my dad, um, he, because in, in a way, like he is a performer as well, you know, like he has to go out and, and perform to a certain, um, extent in a golf tournament to, uh, to succeed and to put food on the table. And so, um, he saw that as, as me, you know, having a, an interest in performance as well. And so, um, he was always very supportive of that and, um, always supportive. They, they both were always supportive of, of, um, of the writing and, um, and just anything that I did musically. I think my mom just didn't quite know how I would be able to support myself, with it, but, um, it, it worked out. So, <laughs> right. And so Boston was an eye opener for you when you got to Los Angeles, was that another big eye opener as to just the music industry in general? Definitely everything from a music industry perspective, because college is a different thing. Like music school is a different thing, but actually being out in that industry and in the world, um, it, it was a bit shocking. And I think I was, I was trying my best to navigate it being like, you know, a good, a good little Christian Southern girl. And, uh, I, um, everything was very fast paced. Um, I didn't quite understand how fast paced everything would be in LA, which I got very used to. Um, and I really like that because decisions, you know, you take a meeting, a decision would be, be made within 24 hours and it's like, okay, great. You know, um, and that, you know, kind of propelled me uh, forward in a lot of ways. And um, Nashville is not that quick, not that fast paced. They're a little bit more like tentative and a little bit more like, well, you know, let's go have a beer and, uh, and talk about it for six hours. And then I'll give you a call in like a week, you know, like, right, yeah. kind of, you know, nobody's in a hurry in Nashville. So um, that's something that I, I really did resonate with in L.A., but I think um, there are a lot of superficial aspects of the industry out in Los Angeles. And that's something that, um, I definitely ran into, especially like as a female and, um, and yeah, it was, it was an, an important thing to learn how to navigate as like an early 20 something. Right. And you released an EP strictly business, I believe around 2010, that was more rock leaning yeah. than your newer stuff. And now within that album, like, was that a project that you wanted to shop and you wanted to push forward? Or was that just something sort of fun to get your feet on the ground and be able to record some music when you were first in LA? Exactly. I mean, I, that was definitely something that, that just felt like a first step for me. Um, and I've never been hugely interested in like labels, like label attention, like record labels or any of that. I kind of enjoy being an outlier and like not needing them. <laughs> um, so it, I, uh, I never like wanted to shop it to a label per se. Um, I, I wanted to be able to, you know, release the songs, have people listen 
get feedback, be able to play shows um, and just, you know, get, get the music out there. And, um, and that was just like, those were, those were baby steps in comparison. Like I, I, all those songs, uh, you know, feel like a million years ago and like a very, very, uh, uh, baby version of, of Caitlin. <laughs> right. But you need that, right. You need that to absolutely. grow as an artist and it's important yes. to have those steps, right? Yes, absolutely. And so you spent a couple of years, you joined Selena Gomez within her backing band and you sang background vocals for her for a couple of years. You joined Victoria Justice as well and played with her. And so within these experiences of doing your own thing when you're younger and then going to school and learning the more professional way of it, and then being in LA, recording music, performing with others, how important were those steps in sort of showing you each part of the industry and allowing you to grow within that? Yeah. All kinds of great questions, Brendan. <laughs> um, I, the, the backup singing came naturally to me um, as an introvert and being able to support somebody else as kind of like an entrance into the industry at that level. Um, and these were both like good girls. And so I felt very comfortable supporting them and um, uh, harmonies and arrangements and vocal production and things like that always came very naturally to me. And so I loved doing that. And that was just a way for me to kind of experience, um, the touring life, the, I don't want to say celebrity life, but kind of that, you know, just, um, being a musician to that degree where you're, you know, getting stalked outside of your hotel room, just cause you're associated with somebody else. You know, right. I, I, I wanted to kind of get, um, an inside look as uh, in terms of what that, that would look like. Um, and like, is, is being a solo artist at this level, something I would even be interested in, you know, or right, yeah. interested in like writing for an artist who is, who is that, um, so it, it gave me, a, a great, uh, depth of a glimpse into, um, what that would look like. And tell me about playing the guitar. I saw that you were playing the guitar <laughs> when you played with Victoria justice and that's you such... have done your work. Wow. <laughs> it's like um, such an elusive instrument that you don't see a lot. So what is it like to actually play it on stage and rock out with it? They, they wanted it for whatever reason they wanted it. It was only for one song too. And oh, really? so it was this song, like the other, the other, uh, keyboard player and I, she, um, she and I were like on either side of Victoria. And, um, and so we each were like kind of, uh, doing vocal solos with her as well. So we each had like our part and it was just this kind of like, um, female empowerment, like kind of choreographed badass, uh, like pop rock moment. And it was a lot of fun. So I'd never, I'd never played a guitar before, but it's, it's the, you know, it's the same old, uh, keyboard that I, I know. Um, but a little, a little different in terms of like it being tilted and like just a different <laughs> setup there, but, um, it was really fun. That's awesome. And so throughout all of those experiences, what was it that hit that finally made you look at Nashville and more of the country music genre within your music? 
Yeah. So, um, when I was on the road with both Selena and Victoria, I, um, I was writing country cause that is what always felt natural to me. Um, sometimes it would be more like on the Southern rock, uh, uh, border. And, um, that was just what I loved listening to. Um, and I also wrote Christian music too. So in between, um, my tour stops, um, I had a, a songwriting manager at the time who would, uh, have sessions for me, um, for like country and, and for Christian stuff. And so I started to get, um, like some, some cuts, like some little cuts and, um, and a couple like decent ones. And that was kind of happening while I was on the road with these like pop girls. And so, um, I, I knew that, that Nashville from a songwriting perspective is where I would end up and where I always needed to be. I'm very glad that LA allowed me to kind of hone my production chops and, right. and learn. Cause it's definitely, uh, it, it's, gr- it's, it's grown here significantly, but um, it started out heavier in Los Angeles, like being heavier on the production end of things. Um, Nashville's, you know, more of a song town. And so, um, being able to kind of let, um, the other, you know, each city kind of infiltrate, um, the writing process and production process for me has been, um, very advantageous to have, you know, the perspective of both towns and strengths of both towns. So. Right. And now in 2017, you released your first sort of country leaning single, The Trouble with the Truth. But it wasn't until sort of 2020 that you began to really set this career in motion. And so what did those first few years in Nashville look like and sort of getting your footing and working your way towards this eventual push towards your own music? Yeah. So I, um, I was in a, I I fronted a band, a group and, um, we actually, you know, everything has been taken down really. There might be something still left up, but, um, uh, essentially the band ended up breaking up after about like two years in town. And we, you know, had signed quite a few things and had great representation, but, um, we were all just pretty different and, um, personality wise as it's, it's a very difficult thing to do, um, to have, you know, that many people in the, in the room and, and that many cooks in the kitchen. And I think, um, there are just different nuances involved. And so, um, we ended up breaking up, uh, the band, um, and trying like, you know, instead of a four piece, it became a three piece for a while. And we toured that way. And then it became, you know, me, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and so I was, uh, I was thrust into, you know, the, the solo, um, uh, country, female country artists life. And, um, when I was, when we first came to town, I was with them. And so, a lot of people knew me through the lens of like being in this group and I was in two sessions a day and, and I, um, wrote with a lot of talented people and, um, we just never, the, the group, uh, was not managed in a way that allowed us to, uh, put that music out. So we just oh, kind okay. of like lost all those, a lot of those songs. And oh, so, no. um, one of those songs though, who I had written with, um, Barry Dean and the guitar player from that 
first group uh, was the trouble with the truth. Um, And so that originally was a song the the chorus came from a song that I had written prior that I had brought into that session, um, which was a different, it was a diff, it was going to be called words I'll never say. Um, and, uh, that just kind of, uh, evolved into the trouble with the truth in that session from that pre-existing chorus. And so, um, I think that was, a uh, a song that I really connected with even as a, a solo artist. And it was just really important for me to put that out, um, because it was so real for me. Um, and that, uh, that definitely jump started um, the, the independent <laughs> solo, uh, I guess, uh, lane. For right. Me. And, and so what did 2020 mean to you? Because we saw your first music in 2022, your, your newer singles this year. And so what did 2020 mean for allowing you to sort of focus on a solo career and what that would look like and what you wanted your sound to be when you officially launched all of this. Yeah. So in between 2017 and 2020, I, um, uh, I had some health issues that were going on. And so it prevented me from, uh, being able to perform to the extent that I used to be able to. Um, and so that was, that was difficult to go through, um, and then in 2020, um, I, I had had enough chunk of time to really like dive deep and figure out, um, you know, it, when, when it is time for me to perform again, like what feels the most sustainable to me, um, having a, a better understanding of myself, like at the core, because if, since I took, you know, those couple to few years off of, of being in this like performative mode. Um, I really was able to connect to like a deeper level of myself. And I think that allowed me to kind of, uh, craft a sound and like a lyrical sound, um, that felt very authentic for me that I'm not sure I would have been able to do prior to that. Um, so in 2020, I had a surgery. <laughs> it's nothing too crazy, but um, that has allowed me to like be the healthiest uh, that I've ever been. And I'm able to perform and able to release music again. And, um, and now I just, you know, I, I only want to put out music that I feel is truly authentic for me and that I think can make um, somebody smile or think about something in a, in a, in a way that could be helpful for their life, uh, a different perspective or make them laugh and make their day a little bit brighter. So it really became important for me not to just release or write music that was a release for myself, but that could be beneficial to somebody else. Um, and I think 2020 with what everybody went through, not that I can speak for everybody else, but um, I think collectively we could say that we've all been through a lot in the last few years, yeah. the last couple. And um, I think it it just became even more, you know, uh, apparent um, and important for me to uh, to create music and release music that I feel could could really help somebody. And what does it meant to be able to produce your own music? Do you think along this journey, if you didn't have that, that you would be 
where you are and you would be able to release music? Or has that been a big benefit for you along the way in being able to produce yourself? That's a good question. Um, I, I, you know, those movies that kind of have like different outcomes. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, okay, well, you, it, it, I forget, I can't even think of like a specific movie, but I know that I've seen them. Butterfly uh, effect, I think, is yes. one. Great. Yeah. Where you're basically able to see two different outcomes. Um, I'm not able to see that for my own life. I won't be able to really until after the fact, probably. Yeah. Uh, retrospectively. Um, but I think, um, I think that being able to produce my, my own music kind of gave me an advantage in the room, um, because, uh, people were able to kind of, um, I don't want to say lean on me for like a demo or something, but I just kind of, um, was able to, um, introduce myself in like maybe a, a way that there hasn't been a lot of, you know, country singers who produce, <laughs> you know? And so I, I was kind of able to, um, create an, a, a name for myself, I guess you could say, but in, in doing something that's just a little different. Right. Um, yeah. And so I think that was helpful for me. I think, you know, having the tools to make my own demos, um, that's been really helpful. Um, and, um, just being able to do, uh, it, it has been great to be able to do it myself. I'm trying to be better about delegating things to other people at this point. Cause I've done the DIY thing, you know, I've, I've done that too much. <laughs> so I, I, for me personally, I have to be better at, at being like, okay, it's okay to ask for help sometimes or to, you know, send off something for somebody else to maybe, uh, comp something to save you some time. Like it's okay, Caitlin. <laughs> so I, I've, uh, I've been trying to, to be better at, at doing that. And another female producer in town has been, um, really helpful in the last, uh, few songs that I've released. Her name's Kate Malone and she's a badass producer in town. And, um, it's been really great to have another, you know, female as a sounding board and, and whatnot. So, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, off the earlier in the conversation, you mentioned that you producing and, and DIY um, was maybe detrimental. And so how are you sort of working your way to handing it off? Like after all of these years of doing it yourself, is it difficult to say, oh, here you go, please do this? Yeah, I think it is in a way I've I think just because I've been in it for a while, <laughs> I've, um, I've learned to be less precious about it. Right. Um, I can still be, um, you know, uh, hardworking and, and, uh, um, detail oriented and cover all my bases and yet still just kind of be able to do as much as I can and then just let it go, <laughs> Right. Just let it go, put it in somebody else's hands. If, if that's appropriate, um, for whatever the project is. And, you know, at the end of the day, it'll always come back to me and, and I'll have to, you know, make notes or make changes here and there, but just being able to, um, to be able to let somebody else help me, um, has been really helpful <laughs> for me because I tend to put too much on my plate. Uh, right. so, yeah. 
Yeah. So this year we've had hang up or hang out and sort of single and then your newest summer cover mashup that you recently released. And so within that music and moving forward, what is the plan for continuing to create this solo career for yourself? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I have a song called cider that's coming out, uh, for the fall. Very excited about this. It is, uh, riddled with some, some word play, which is my favorite. Um, and, uh, it's a, it's a sassy little, little number, very upbeat and who doesn't love cider, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I'm also going to be releasing some more parodies, okay. uh, which are very fun for me. Um, so I'm very excited to be releasing those and just be able to make people laugh. Um, and, uh, I think that's important, um, for me and, um, I'll be releasing more music next year and we'll be doing an EP of some sort, uh, based on, um, the different songs that I've been releasing and, um, I'll have something out for the holidays as well. So I'm just being, being, uh, kind of a one woman show, I guess I, I'm doing, trying to do my best at cranking it out on like a consistent schedule because it has to be like every six to eight weeks really. And so when I'm the one who's, who's writing it or recording it and editing it and, you know, sending out the files and comping everything, like it can take a while. And then I'm also making my own content. So it's just a lot of work. Um, but I'm trying my best to do that consistently. And, um, and I will be playing shows, which I'm super excited about. And also trying to, uh, have some solid boundaries with, um, having some, you know, good mental health, uh, space for myself as well, um, with social media and whatnot. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so within this career that has seen you do so many things, how comfortable and confident are you with this current path and diving <laughs> into this solo country musician career? Um, I feel the most confident and authentic as a human than I've ever felt. And so all I can really do at this point is be that. Um, because it's not fun or sustainable or honest. And there's no like longevity for me. I feel like if I'm not being my truest self. So if, if I'm able to do that in a way where I am combining some, you know, comedic aspects of things and things that just make me who I am, um, that, that, you know, that will help things be sustainable, um, for me. And, um, and it will, I feel, cater to a, a happier, more fulfilling lifestyle. And that will only, you know, make me a, a better artist and, and, a, and a better, you know, creative. Um, so that's what I'm, that's what I'm hoping for. Thank you once again so much for listening. And thank you to Caitlin for stopping by and sharing her story. Be sure to check out her newest singles, Hang Up or Hang Out and Sort of Single, and keep an eye out for her newest single, Cider, when it's released in early October. 
Please also be sure to check us out on social media. We're available on all platforms. So just head over, search Country Music Made Me and give us a follow. You can also find us at our webpage, countrymusicmademe.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content. And finally, if you enjoyed today's episode, please feel free to leave us a review or a rating. Thank you so much once again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me. Music